You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. Welcome to the Week Ahead podcast. Uh, we were off last week because Chuck was traveling, uh, although we did give you a bonus po- uh, podcast for that. But Chuck, um, tell us about your trip that was formerly a mystery destination. Um, now <laughs> you can reveal that it looked like an awesome trip to Washington, D.C. Uh, yeah, tell us about it. How'd it go? Yeah, m- my wife made very clear to me that I wasn't doing any work on this trip. <laughs> That's always, she always has that rule, which I'm fine with. But this time she said, you know, I know there's a lot of people there that you would like to, to meet, but no, no, mm-hmm. not doing that. In fact, last night I came in to write. So Sunday night, my, my, my habit is usually to write my piece for Monday morning on Sunday evening. And, mm-hmm. um, Last night when I, she's like, you're not going in tonight. You, you can't, you know, you're not allowed, you, you're not allowed to, you're still on vacation today. And I'm like, well, I gotta, you know, I gotta have something by 5 a.m. tomorrow. That means I'm gonna have to write it tonight. So, um, we worked out a compromise, but yeah, uh, she said no meeting with anybody. So yeah, I, I didn't want to, I don't want to, we have so many members in Washington DC and so much, uh, you know, stuff going on. People that want to be part of the, every time we've done something in D.C., we've had huge crowds and it's been just great. So I felt bad, but it was a fantastic trip. Um, my youngest what was daughter. the highlight? Well, my youngest daughter, Stella, in her fourth grade class last year, they did a unit on Washington, D.C. And, and then they all got to pick something. Uh, and they, they did like a model of it and a presentation and a write up. It was it was pretty interesting. She had the Library of Congress, mm-hmm. and it, she was a little sponge. I mean, we were walking around Washington, D.C., and she's pointing stuff out to me that other kids in her class had presented and come up with. And these are things – I mean, I, I, I've read quite a bit. I've been there quite a few times. Th- these are things like I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And it, it, was, it, was, it was really kind of fun to be there with her. Um, when we went to the Library of Congress, she had a lot to show us and, and kind of walk us around and say here. And, you know, she was like a little tour guide. Um, Chloe, my oldest, uh, loved it. And she's one of these kids who doesn't um, – how do I put this? She she travels really well. We've always traveled and she does it well. But she is not one who likes transitions. Mm-hmm. So like – Three days before we're leaving, she starts to get crabby and uptight and, and, um, you know, when you get there, she's kind of moody and it takes her a little bit of time to get adjusted. She did not want to leave. She said, dad, I want to move here. I want to live here. Uh-huh. I love this city. So it, it was, it was a great week of just being with the family and especially kind of immersing ourselves in the history of the country and just the great, you know, the great parts. You said what was a highlight? I got a, we got a tour of the Capitol, which is something I've never gotten to do before. Uh, our congressman, uh, Rick Nolan, he's uh, one of the uh, one of the few. I, I think there's three rural districts in the United States that are represented by a Democrat. Mm-hmm. We're one of them. Uh, I actually know him personally, not to 
you know, it's a small Name district. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, that sounded like, uh, so, you know, no, um, I, I met him on a project. He actually, back when I did planning work, he was on a town board and they hired me, uh, to come and help write their comp plan. So I had done some work with him. I didn't realize that he had prior been a, a representative. He had like 20 years off or 24 years off between his, his terms. Mm-hmm. He was in for like eight years and then left and then now has gone back. But through his office, we lined up a tour. Uh, we got there. There was a, he had an intern and, you know, he's a really cool guy. He showed us around. Uh, I got to stand on the, uh, I can't, I, I'm not sure what direction it faces, but towards the mall, uh, mm-hmm. the speaker of the house has like a balcony oh, that yeah. overlooks the mall and you're looking at the Washington monument and the, the whole, I mean, it's just, it's an, it's gotta be the best view in Washington, DC. Mm-hmm. We got to go out there and stand and get our photo taken and kind of just look at it. It was amazing. Um, but the Capitol was just really cool. I, it, I'll tell you that one thing that blew me away and it says a lot about, um, our country and I think the people involved in the, the very early days in the, uh, lower level of the Capitol building, there's a, a, a huge room called the crypt. And if you've ever toured, you know, like cathedrals and stuff, they'll often have a crypt and that's where these like notable people are buried. I, I was in the, um, I ran into a classmate of mine once at, uh, St. Is it St. Paul's in London? I can't, now I'm being just an idiot. I can't remember what the, uh, the huge cathedral in London is, but I was in the, in the crypt of that, like looking at the names of these people who are buried there. And I ran into a, a third grade classmate of mine just randomly mm. in London. So you, 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 you have this experience of people being buried in these crypts. And I was in the crypt in the Capitol and there's no one buried there. Um, mm-hmm. but what they told us was that, um, right in the, the middle. So this would be like under the dome, uh, all the way down in the lower level in the very center. Uh, there was a space made for George Washington. Right. And I didn't know this. I had never heard of this. And you're standing there and you're like, you know, they wanted George Washington, the people who designed the Capitol or laid it out or what, whatever. Um, the idea was that we would have, you know, our founding father of fathers, a general of the revolution, the first president, basically our like royalty buried in the crypt of this, uh, you know, the capital, the, the country's most important building. And I, I, I just find it fascinating that his family you know, acting on his wishes said no. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not what, that's not what he wanted. That's not what we want. And it's, it's very consistent with, um, first of all, like the myth we have about George Washington, right? The mm-hmm. whole idea of Cincinnati, we go and serve and then I'm done serving and I go back and I'm just a citizen again. Um, that, that was definitely the image he wanted to portray. And it's definitely, uh, the legacy that he has left. Um, but there's there's also a, a sense of truth to that that myth, you know, too. It's 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 not uh, like he feigned this. He actually, you know, lived it. This is what he did, and you know, I, I I've I've often thought 
uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Jefferson. I'm, it's hard not to be a fan of Abraham Lincoln. Um, but I've often just been in like wonderment at George Washington and just think that this country is, uh, the trajectory we have been on for a couple centuries plus, uh, because of the example that he gave is, is just extraordinary. The idea that I would serve and then walk away and, and, you know, clearly there's there's more to the story than that, but just that simple part, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think, has been kind of a moral check on a lot of things in this country that that we've benefited from over the years. So I, I was I was I was astounded by it, and it just you know affirmed to me a lot of uh, the good feelings I have about who he was as a person. Well, I used to, I I interned for a semester with Senator Amy Klobuchar in college, so I was one of those interns giving that to her, although I've probably forgotten a lot of it, but I do remember (laughs) it was, it was awe-inspiring. And just being in D.C. where all big decisions are being made, uh, yeah, I I loved that feeling when I lived there. It's, for me, it's not so much like being close to power. Um, you know, like, and I'm not suggesting that is what you said, but you know, I, I know a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, there's a Senator or there's a Congressman. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I, I think there's some novelty to that. It's kind of interesting. I, I, I did an internship at the Minnesota legislature. And I think back when I was in my mid twenties, um, my, my thought, I've said this before on the podcast, I think my thought going into those things were these must be like the smartest people around. These must be, um, you know, you, you don't become a state senator. You don't become a state representative. You don't become a, a cabinet post and not be like a real brilliant person. And then I got there and started to meet them and thought, oh, my gosh, these people are so ordinary. Um, <laughs> it's, it's sad. It, it's like the distribution of genius is, uh, you know, or uh, the distribution of intelligence is, you know, not clustered in our elected class. And that that's something that, you know, in my mid-20s, I became uh, not enamored with, uh, with, with power yeah. in that sense. Um, but I think the thing that w- was in awe to me, you know, you go in, the, we got a tour of the, uh, the old Senate chambers and the old house chambers, which, you know, the, the house chambers are now like, they're, they're both ceremonial spaces, um, mm-hmm. where the original house met before they did the large additions that, uh, where the house meets today. And you, you could see in that room, all the symbolism that was put in essentially to, and, and these are my words. I, I, I don't know as this is like the case, but I'm assuming it is essentially to like humble people and remind you like, okay, you're here for a larger purpose. Mm -hmm. And it would be hard not to sit in that room with, you know, the statue of, of justice up there, you know, holding the constitution in their left hand. Um, you know, uh, the, the Eagle, you know, emblem sitting there, It, it would be hard to sit in a place like that and not feel, um, like there's a bigger, like there's a higher purpose to the world than just whatever the petty thing you have in front of you. And, and I don't know if I, I, I maybe I'm just being naive. Maybe, um, you know, the, the, the people who serve there don't think like that. Um, but my gosh, to me, it was, it was the overwhelming aspect of the place. And I just found it uh, very inspiring. 
So it looks like that inspired you to write the article that you published this morning um, about, you know, reflecting on the different historical things, monuments, representations that you saw when you were in D.C. Um, do you want to talk about that? I'm very surprised there haven't been any comments on this article. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's the, the day is young. Um, <laughs> not, uh, you know what, I, I, I don't really want to talk about it. I think we have to. It, it's... It was such a it was such a strange thing to be there, um, because you know throughout the week we had many moments. Um, you know, the, you, whenever you whenever you go on a vacation with your family, and you know, I I did, I had a brand new phone, and I intentionally did not download any apps, so like I could text my wife, and that was pretty much it. Like I had no Facebook or Twitter, and you know. Email all went to a thing. I didn't get. I didn't yeah. get any of it. Mm-hmm. So it was me and my kids and my wife in this place, and, and you know, walking around Arlington Cemetery, being able to talk to my kids about it. You know, going and seeing the Declaration of Independence, the the like the original, like signed version, mm-hmm. uh, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. Um, going to the you know, the Lincoln Memorial and finding the spot where Martin Luther King uh, gave a speech. Um, you know, all of, all of these moments I shared with my family were, were just, were just beautiful. And, and they were, um, moments that I wish that, you know, everybody could, could share with the people around them. But you juxtapose that and, and the whole week, you know, I, I would look at the news headlines. We would get the USA Today delivered to our room every day, um, you know, slid under the door, whatever. It, it, I, I would look at the, the newspaper headlines, but, but I didn't sit and read the news. But all you had to do was look at the headlines last week um, to get mm-hmm. this deep sense of sorrow, uh, kind of this culmination of a, a long, long period of anxiety that we have in this country. Um, you know, righteously so. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not disagreeing that we shouldn't have a level of anxiety. And you, um, you know, have it in really sharp relief to uh, the, the kind of moments and, and pride and humility that I think a place like Washington, D.C. kind of naturally brings out in someone like me. Mm-hmm. And so it was, uh, it, it, was, it was like fire and ice together in my brain. You know, yeah. on, on one hand, you're like deeply inspired and, you know, motivated to be like a, a, a better person, a better human being. And then on the other side, y- you see this, this tumult and, uh, you know, this, this kind of in many ways, like senseless hate and, and anger. And it just really, it just, it struck me. And I, I, I didn't know what to write for today coming off that trip. Mm-hmm. Usually when I come back, I've got all kinds of ideas and thoughts in my heads and things I want to write about. I've got a few of those, but I felt like I had to get these thoughts out before mm-hmm. I could, you know, mentally move on. Yeah. So it's kind of tough. It, it was fascinating. I, I think one of the things that, um, yeah, I, I, I talked about being at the Lincoln Memorial literally hours before it was defaced. Um, so I, I was there, like woke up the next morning and my wife said, you know, the Lincoln you know, Memorial was graffitied last night. And I'm like, I was there. I mean, I was there like five hours ago. What do you, what do you mean? 
there, there's nothing there. Well, it happened a couple hours after I left and you're just like, Oh, I, I was, I was there in this place and I had this moment and it, 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 it really meant a lot to me. And then all of a sudden it was brought low, you know, by, by, by something. And I, I there were a number of times that week where you kind of felt that way. Like, okay, I'm, I'm here. Uh, I'm standing in, you know, uh, whatever space I'm, I'm trying to absorb it and think about it and share it with my family and, and be here with these people that I don't know around me. Um, but yet, you know, there's all this other stuff going on. Mm -hmm. The, the Confederate, uh, monument in Arlington was a, was a, was a strange moment. I did not know that was there. And, you know, the, I, we went on Sunday. So it was a, a couple of days after the, or the, a day after the Charlottesville incident. Mm -hmm. um, we're walking through Arlington Cemetery and I, I had a, I had a map and we decided that we were going to walk basically the whole thing. Like we were going to see every part of it and every monument. It just was important to, to me and, and, the kids and my wife, we wanted to do this. So we walked through and at one point, um, we got to the, uh, the Confederate monument, I think is what they called it. Um, it was a, it was a monument I found out later erected in the early 1900s. Uh, you know, it would have been basically, uh, the, the people there would have been very elderly. They would have been, you know, in their seventies or eighties, kind of the same, time period that we erected the World War II memorial. Uh, mm -hmm. People who were, you know, in World War II were in their 70s and 80s when that was put up. Uh, this was put up about that same time in Arlington Cemetery, which the history of Arlington, of course, is that it was General Lee's, Robert E. Lee's estate. Um, you know, the, the North took it from them. It, it took it from him in the Civil War, buried Union soldiers there, which, you know, I... I <laughs> it's a beautiful place and I totally get it. And I more than likely would have supported that at the time as well. Um, certainly not an act of contrition by the North, um, mm -hmm. you know, or an act of, uh, it wouldn't be contrition. It would be, you know, an outreach, you know, this is probably a, the, the righteous thing to do. I'm, I'm not arguing with that, but to come back, uh, 50 years later and, um, you know, erect a, a memorial to Southern soldiers, it, it, it just, um, you know, created, it, it, it created a, a dissonance in the place, um, that was at one point like unsettling and at another point, like deeply comforting, right? The idea, and, and, and as I sat and looked at this, you know, there's some imagery in the statue in the monument itself that is very reassuring. Uh, there's also some that is like deeply disturbing. There's a picture of, uh, uh, an African American slave, um, basically, you know, uh, holding an infant in her, in her breast and, you know, basically nurturing or comforting what looks like a plantation owner. Quite frankly, I don't know if that's what it's meant to be. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, you know, the, the idea was kind of a sense of countering, uh, the uncle Tom's cabin notion that, you know, it was, it was the kind of the, the Southern way of saying, well, you know, not all these people hated us. Um, mm -hmm. so there, there's, you know, when you look at it, it's not, uh, a display, uh, without, uh, without controversy, right? It's, it's not a, it, it's, it's not like a, let's all get along kind of thing. 
there's mm-hmm. a little bit of you know thumbing your nose at at the uh, at, at the other side, but yet you look at it and you're like, okay, what would it have taken for these people who were literally like killing each other, uh, uh, you know, as as young people, to uh, to come together and say, you know, we're going to uh, to try to heal this, and I'm I'm certain it took compromise. I'm certain it took you know there were there were people on both sides that uh, wouldn't compromise and wouldn't uh, you know uh, bend an inch you know mm-hmm. to the to the end hold to their ideals but you had to believe that in some people it, it softened things and i found out later on that every president uh has it, it, every year with a, a few exceptions no exception for the president but exceptions on some of the years there were some weird things that happened, but basically every president every year has sent a wreath to the Confederate Memorial, including uh, all eight years of, of Barack Obama's presidency. And I, I think you can interpret that a number of ways. Um, I choose to interpret it generously, which is, you know, we're one country. Uh, it's it is tragic that this war was fought. It's tragic that people felt they needed to fight it. Um, it it is tragic, the circumstances before and after. Um, but as a country, we, uh, we're, we're one country. We ha- we have to find a way to, to talk to each other and to come together and to respect each other. And, you know, I think when you in, in, can interpret it with generosity, um, you can start to see the good in things and not just the, uh, the evil, which is, which is there and can't be ignored, but you know, which I I think in times like these, we tend to dwell on. And I I think, um, you know, in a sad way. So switching gears, you're going to be in Tulsa or the Tulsa area, um, next week. And that is for the Oklahoma professional economic development council summit. Um, You've been to Tulsa and Oklahoma several times over the last year. It seems like they must be big fans of strong towns at this point. Uh-huh. Yeah, have we been to Tulsa recently? Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> but didn't you also go to another part of Oklahoma that I am sorry? I'm bl- I McAllister, went to McAllister, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. McAllister, which was fantastic. One of my favorite uh, trips of the year. That's where I got abandoned in the airport because I forgot my oh, driver's license. And they were like so generous to come get me. Yeah, these people... McAllister, this I mean, time that won't happen. No, wait, no, <laughs> no, that yeah, will like never five that backup never cards in again. all different pockets at this point. <laughs> um, no, the beautiful people in McAllister saved me and they were fantastic. Yeah, I, I we have built up quite a, a group of people in Tulsa, and you know, I've we got I've, some awesome members in the area. We have some incredible members. I, I've spoken there, I, I want to say, three or four times, including the summit. Um, this will be great. It's a very short trip in and out, but um, yeah, I, it's always exciting. This, this, there's a Mississippi corridor, you know, um, that runs, you know, it's, it's kind of like the 35 corridor um, that runs straight south from where we're at. And we just have built up in that corridor, you know, all the way down through Texas, um, quite a few people who are are very pro strong towns and I love getting together with them. They, uh, always have, I, I, I think we have a, um, 
I don't know. It, it, it's I, I find them very easy to be around. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it's very it's a very comfortable conversation. So yeah, I I'm excited to get back to Tulsa and hopefully continue to nudge them in a strong town's direction. Cool. Uh, so I wanted to welcome our newest members of Strong Towns. We had several people join us last week. Uh, Shergo Alkalani of Cliffside Park, New Jersey. Abby Beck of Batavia, Illinois. Mason Carter of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Kirk Crabtree of Ogden, Kansas. Elliot Ewart of New Albany, Ohio. Rihanna Gilbert, uh, sorry, Rihanna Gabrielle of Manitowoc, Wisconsin. Diane Kern of Walnut Creek, California. Kalina Meg of St. Louis, Missouri. And David Yates of Lawrence, Kansas. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for supporting Strong Towns. We really appreciate it, and we could not do this without your support. Wow. Maybe I need to go on vacation more often. Yeah, we got, and last week uh, was a big week for members, too, or two weeks ago was a big week for members, too, so thanks. Let's hope this momentum keeps going. Yes, thank you. It means so much. It, it, it allows us to do so many more things, so yes, thank you. So did you get to do any interesting reading or listening to podcasts on your trip? Um. You know what? I, I, I burned through three uh, fiction books, but nothing. <laughs> that's another, that's, that's my part of vacation, unless I have something that yeah, that's I'm what working on. Book. Yes and no. I mean, I, I've, I've tried to, in the past, um, you know, del delve into something substantive. And the last couple of years on vacation, I've just been like all fiction. So yeah, I read like three crime books. They're just fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, do you know what I did? Um, hmm. <laughs> I went to the public library and got books in Brainerd. In Brainerd. Yeah. Nice. My, my, my kids go like twice a week and my wife yeah. goes all the time and they're always reading library books. I've, I've not been like, I'm not, a, for some reason, I've never been a library book person. It's Cause you got that Kindle. I, you know what I do? And I, I just am kind of like addicted to it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I brought the kids and I was there with them. Um, my wife had a really busy week the week before we left. And so I, I had to, we, I won't say we split time with the kids. We were both with them, but like during the summer, it's probably more me um, because I'm home more. I travel less. Mm -hmm. um, so she was gone. I was home with the kids and I took, um, I took them to the library because they needed to get some books for the trip. And of course they take like 45 minutes to go through everything. And, you know, so I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I might as well go look around. And I just, I walked out of there with this stack of books for myself. And I said, this is kind of fun. I should do this more often. So yeah. I know you're a library person. You reserve books and go check them out and all that. Yeah, free books. It's pretty I'm cool. like, I, I am to books what like Emil de Marcos is to shoes, right? I, I, if there's a book that I like, I feel like I have to own it. So I have just bookshelves and bookshelves of books that I've read at one point. And it, yeah. I've always, I find this delight in going and grabbing a book off the shelf and flipping to a, a part that I really liked or, you know, loaning it out to someone. And, and you lose that when you, um, you know, when you go to the library and read it. But True, but it's free. <laughs> but it's free. <laughs> yeah. So the, the frugal Minnesota part of me is kind of like, yeah, you, you really need to 
spend more time at the library. So yeah. Plus, I like it for when somebody says like, "Oh, you should read this book," and then I'm not sure that I actually should read it, but I want to give it a shot, and then I just page through it from the library and decide if I really See. like it. Then maybe I'll invest in buying. <laughs> See, I'll be I'll be traveling somewhere, and someone will say, "Chuck, have you read this book?" And I'll say no. And then based on their description, I'll either put it, I'll either like not do anything, uh, but more likely I will put it on my Amazon wish list. Or if it's like sounds ridiculously good, I'll just one click buy it. I have a stack. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking right now at my desk. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I, I have 12 books sitting on my desk that were purchased in this way that I, I need to get through. And they're just, it's like my backlog. I have another one sitting on my nightstand at home. And so mm -hmm. there's this constant like, okay. And then my Kindle has like 20 of them, um, you know, that I'm working on a, a couple here and there. Um, I'm, I'm, I am an, I'm an impulsive book buyer. If I lived next to a great bookstore, I would likely be broke. <laughs> Yeah. Well, there are worse things in life to go broke for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the listening front, I wanted to mention a podcast that I've been listening to lately. Well, my husband turned me onto it. Um, and so I'm often just overhearing it when he listens, but it's called left, right and center from KCRW. Have you listened to this one at all? Uh, yes. Um, Do you like I it? Listen, uh, yeah, I was, I listened to it every week for years. Um, Tony, uh, I'm, I can't remember the guy. I think it was Tony Snow used to host it. And I really, really enjoyed him. I thought he asked great questions. I thought he kind of, in a show like that, um, you need a really good moderator so that the, because the, it's left, right, and center. You've got to have a good moderator so that the left doesn't become like kooky left and the right doesn't become kooky right. You actually yeah. want to have an exchange of ideas. And I thought he did a fantastic job in that. When he mm -hmm. left, um, the, the, the moderators I had after that, I thought just failed. I thought like weren't up to that standard. And I kind of drifted away from the show. I probably haven't listened to it for two years. So you're okay. telling me it's good. I like it. Yeah. And right. I'll, I'll say sometimes the participants actually surprise me. Like I'll just be hearing all the voices and I'll say, oh, is that the, the right person? And then Jack will say, oh, no, actually, that's like the center person or that's the left yeah. person. So they're like generally nuanced, smart people. Um, the most recent episode actually was about Charlottesville. That one did get pretty heated from the left and right people. But the center person was brilliant. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm finding it to be an interesting listen. Hosted by Josh Barrow. Katrina yeah. Vanden Heuvel, who I remember she was on back in. Yeah, Rich she's Lowry. often in there. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, okay. I will add it back to my uh, my podcast rotation. It's one of those that got dropped out when I switched phones. And, you know, yeah. switching phones is such a pleasant experience because you realize, like, okay, I'd never really listen to that podcast much anyway. I'm just not going to go back to it. Wait, really? I find switching technology so annoying. Like, if I could just have the same phone and the same computer forever, but they would somehow, like, get oh, really better that would be great because oh, like see. it just stresses me out i'm like i'm gonna lose important photos or like oh songs see my music i find library. it to be like a cleansing process it, it's <laughs> it's almost like you know you you imagine you've got like a new bedroom right next to your existing bedroom um yeah 
but your, your existing pattern was going away and you had to like it. So you just could like move the stuff over as you needed it. And you find like right away that you really don't use, you really don't, or to make it like a bedroom, like make it a closet, right? Yeah. Like you yeah. need a new closet. And so, you know, what you'd find is that in a year, like half the stuff in your closet, you never use. It's um, true. So it's like, a, it's like getting a new closet, right? It's, to me, it's like a, it's a very Zen kind of, like I'm simplifying kind of thing. So. Yeah. Well, I just it, don't test trust technology enough. I'm worried that like my favorite sweater is going to disappear <laughs> and move somehow. Uh, well, I I would recommend to everyone listening, um, even though we we do a ton of communication through social media and and really uh, benefit a lot from sharing our, our message with others on social media. Um, if you can take a week off, I mean, I I always try to do a what I call a social media Sabbath every weekend. So mm -hmm. I try to take a full 24 hours and just not do it at all. Not look at it, not think about it, not have it around. That's wise. You to do it for a whole week. Um, I think is really healthy. Uh, and I, I kind of, I, it's, it's kind of a habit that I would like to get into. Um, not just, you know, not just on vacation. We do it here at the end of the year I mean, we go, yeah. we go, we go completely silent for two weeks uh, every year. And I, I feel like that's a healthy period of time too, to kind of refocus. But yeah, I, I would highly recommend it to anyone. You know, you can post those pictures when you get home and uh, you don't need to know everything when you're gone. Cool. My opinion. Well, let's wrap it up. We gotta get out there and watch the eclipse soon or watch sort of part of it. I don't know. I didn't get the glasses, so I'm, but I'm still going to stand outside. Uh, do you have any eclipse plans? I, I did get the glasses. Oh, awesome. Um, Jealous. You know, I mean, you could like a month ago, you could get like a package of 10 for like five bucks. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think of it that soon. Yeah. <laughs> they were really cheap. Um, the problem is, is I've got, like, I gave my wife some, she went to work today. Um, my kids, I'm going to drop off at a at play practice at one. The eclipse is like at its peak at two here, so I don't know if they're going to take a time out and go outside. Um, I gave some to my neighbors, just like distributed them around, like here, have some glasses. Guess mm -hmm. what? It is completely overcast here. Like you can't even see yeah. the sun. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of a disappointment. This was this was occurring to me, and I I I don't know if I'm just like think weird about things. But I heard about all these people like going places to view the eclipse and, and people particularly who are going to like the northwest of the country. Mm -hmm. I've never been to the northwest of the country when you could see the sun. It's always raining and overcast. Like, why yeah, would you go? People. Yeah. Why would you go to Oregon to watch the eclipse? I mean, you're just going to get clouds. Now, I did hear from Steve Mozan today, who's actually in Eugene, I think. Mm -hmm. And he said it's totally clear and it's beautiful. So I'm, I'm happy for people. I hope in the path of the eclipse that it is bright and shiny and, and cloudless. Here in central Minnesota, not the case. I, I don't think we'll see it at all. Yeah. I've I been kind of tuning it to the NASA live stream intermittently. Cause that's what I was going to say. Cooler than I may I have to like do the real dumb you know, 20th century thing and, and street, you know, 21st century and streaming on my computer, like a dummy, like, you know, you could watch a simulation of it 
six months ago on the computer. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm going to watch like a live thing that looks just like the simulation on my computer and think it's really cool. This is just this is how dumb we are today, you know. <laughs> it's it's like those people you've you've been in these situations where you go to like the kids, you know, play. You probably haven't you haven't done this because mm-hmm. you have kids. You go to a concert. For me, like you go to like the kids, uh, whatever, and there's all yeah. these people with ca- with video cameras, like watching their kid through a video camera. Yeah, it's sad. And I'm like, I, I get it, like I understand it, um, you know. But like, watch your like watch your kid, like they're standing right there, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I always feel like I, I have recorded a lot of things that my kids have done, but I've always tried to do the like point the camera and then like hope I get it. Cause I just, mm-hmm. I, I got to watch them with my own two eyes, you know? Yeah. So. Okay. Well, we'll wrap it up for today. Uh, but thanks everyone for listening and have a great week and enjoy that eclipse. If you're going to see it. Yeah. Be careful. Don't stare straight at the sun. We need your help. If you think the strong town's message is important, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. You can get more information and sign up to be a member of Strong Towns at strongtowns.org.